0: Hello and welcome to the Brave Feminine Leadership Series 5x5. Five Five. In this series we will meet some incredible experts across a range of fields and explore top tips for senior professionals to thrive and find the joy in leadership. So whether you're out for a walk On your daily commute or you found a few minutes to yourself with a nice cup of tea, enjoy these conversations and keep a notebook handy for the top tips shared. Today I'm joined by Dr. Kelly Pritchard-Peshek and we are talking about burnout. Dr Kelly spent the first decade of her career working with Olympic athletes and world record holders in Australia and Europe, where she honed her deep passion for health and performance. However, whilst she was busy supporting others, she neglected her own health and experienced a debilitating burnout. This was a catalyst for change and launched the next chapter of her career. She founded her health coaching business, Dr Kelly Rose, where she is passionate about enabling professional women to recognize the signs of burnout and empower them with the knowledge and skills to prevent it, rebalance their health and continue performing with confidence in their career. Welcome, Kelly. Thank you, Melissa. Fantastic to have you here with us. Kelly, you and I first connected um, because you actually found the Brave Feminine Leadership series and podcast and we connected through that, which was was absolutely wonderful to meet you. And as I've shared with you, I was really moved when you personally shared your experience of burnout late last year. Thank you so much for, for doing that. I'm gonna jump straight into our questions and I'm sure we'll hear parts of your story as we go through that, Kelly. So the first question I've got for you is, what is the broad definition of burnout and how does it differ from stress?
1: It's a fabulous place to start. so in 2019, actually, the World Health Organization actually added burnout to the international classification of diseases. So it's, it's widely recognized now. And they describe it as a syndrome resulting from chronic workplace stress that hasn't been successfully managed. So in that sense, it does typically stem from an organizational structure. Um, And it's characterized by three dimensions. So these three dimensions must be present for burnout to occur. And the first one is exhaustion or that energy depletion. Uh, The second is cynicism, um, where we sort of detach and get mental distance from our jobs. Um, And the third one, inefficacy. So I guess when we're looking at burnout and stress, from that definition, we can see that stress is not burnout. Um, Too often we use them interchangeably. it's the chronic stress that persists over a long period of time that opens us up to the risk of burnout, um, which we could say is that worst-case end point scenario.
0: Mm. So how can someone recognise the signs of that either in themselves or in their team members? Mm. There's a few things key things to look out for, which really
1: stem around those three dimensions. Um, so if we're looking at burnout in ourselves, it's the physical, mental and emotional exhaustion that we can feel. Um, you flat batteries all the time, unable to recover your energy. Um, and in the workplace that comes out, you know, poor concentration and low productivity. Um, we become disengaged from our work uh, and withdrawn from people around us as well. A um, bit of a hostile, negative attitude, uh, irritable and emotional. So the emotional um, side comes out, and sort of a callousness when we're dealing with people, with co workers and with clients within that setting. Um, that can all lead to sort of this sense of incompetence um, or failure. I know I certainly got to that point very deeply. Um, and just that overwhelm and that feeling, that inability to cope with the demands that are placed on you in the workplace. Um, personally, it's it's a lack of interest in things you use, to love in your hobbies, um, that low motivation, and then a neglect of your health overall. So, unfortunately, you know we start to feel the the sleep disturbances associated with that stress. Um, we could start to depend on vices. Which typically happens um, again, happens for me. So all of these, like they may not hit you at once, but they will start to, depending on your situation, everyone has a slightly different profile. So this can this typically does occur over time. Um, so you might resonate with one or a few of those areas. Um, and then when we're looking for signs of burnout in our team, you might witness some of these same behaviours um in your team members at work, but also sort of in general. And that can look like You know, from a general perspective, the tiredness, uh, depressed mood, a lack of focus and low productivity, a bit of a hostile nature um, and this pervading sense of hopelessness amongst them. And again, you might see this worsening in someone over time. Um, But what I would say first is that the first indicator is going to be this chronic stress state. So I would say if you know your team, look out for those small little deviations from their normal normal behaviour that you might notice that could indicate that they're progressing along to that chronic stress state. That's probably what you will notice first.
0: Can I ask just if we turn to you for a minute, what, um, you know, you've shared a couple of insights there, but would you, you know, be open to sharing a little bit more about, you know, how you sort of recognised recognised that it was burnout? I'd
1: like to say that um, I did recognise it, mm. um, but this happened eight years ago, close to eight years ago now, and really I be honest and say I didn't know the signs of burnout um eight years ago burnout wasn't spoken about publicly it's really only in the last couple of years come yeah. to come to light um and so I would say I didn't know much about it in the I knew I was stressed I knew my state of normal had shifted a, a very far from normal um, but I didn't know how long until my body actually physically started to break down um yeah. Uh, and the mental health, mental well-being, sort of challenges around that, the depressed mood, um, and the gut health challenges as well. So from that chronic stress, that is also a um, you know can be a symptom. Um, so for me, it, it really took me a long time. Um, and then in the seeing the medical doctors as well, it, it did take a long time to sort of tease out you know what this actually was and to put all of the pieces together. Mm. Um, it's to really see that okay, this is this is a state of burnout. Um, so thank,
0: like, you. thank you. Thank you for sharing it. that because you're right. Eight years ago, it just wasn't part of people weren't talking about about burnout um, at all, whereas it's really part, I think of common language um, today. What do you see as the best practices for addressing and preventing it? You know, I say particularly amongst female executives, and mm-hmm. how can work culture help?
1: Some really key points in there, and I think um, whilst I've probably been talking about so far, I've been talking about burnout from a personal perspective, but we really have to realise that burnout, it is an organisational challenge, so it's this top-down structural challenge that it it leads to burnout amongst the people in that environment. Um, And so true burnout prevention, I would say, comes from these structural and cultural changes in particular to get at the root cause um, of this and so I'll start by framing this up with some overarching things that are really coming out that we're seeing in workplaces um, and pretty much across all industries now so late last year uh, the McKinsey Health Institute actually found that toxic workplace culture was the number one contributor to burnout mm. um, and also the intent to leave the employer which again we're seeing in droves um, and secondly in another study um the factors of psychological safety, organisational support, engagement and sense of belonging, all correlated strongly with burnout as well. And so what that means is when we look at the experience, like bring that into the daily experience, they all come into play, um, particularly for women in the workplace, um, senior female executives. And as you're working working up that leadership chain um, and a couple of contributors coming to this, Women now, uh, particularly over the last few years, are probably more likely to have that flexible work working arrangement. Um, and we're seeing that lead to this always-on culture, 24-7, being connected, um, feeling like they need to be seen all of the time so that they're not sort of suffering the consequences of not being physically present, um, which is a challenge. And so they're unable to disconnect from work and that the lack of boundaries around workload as well is, is a challenge, obviously, um, now that we know what burnout is. Um, and at work, women's workloads are increasing. So particularly we're taking on, we're more likely to take on the voluntary workload of the employee wellbeing initiatives and DEI initiatives, um, which most women are reporting it's going sort of unrecognised. So like we're chunking this on and it's great, but it's having an impact. Um, and the third one I would say is the what we call the double shift, and there's a bit more coming out about this. And, you know, if we look at female leaders in particular in the senior levels, 52% are responsible um, for the household duties and the care work at home, so compared to 13% of men at the same level. So there's a little bit of a disparity there. Um, so all of this just contributing to, you know, those three dimensions that we talked about earlier. Um, and so if we're looking at prevention, it sort of comes down to the organizations to recognise this and address, I think, these key issues um, and it and start to embed these into their structure and culture. So making these environments inclusive for women and the way that we're now working. In um, you know, fact, it's the site safety that will support the engagement, the belonging. Um, and those, yeah, the eliminating that sort of toxic culture and all the contributors to that. So um,
0: I love what you said then, and it it, it just twigs something for me actually. I love mm-hmm. what you said then about in organizations, women tend to be volunteering for a lot more of that discretionary effort. Um mm-hmm. and in a new series I've got coming up, I'm speaking to Professor Laurie Weingart, who contributed to a book called The No Club. I'm not sure if you've come across it, but there's a fascinating, just even in the first chapter, there's a fascinating thing about it's a series of um of professors, effectively, who were all challenged in sort of navigating their careers. And so they formed this no club and started comparing what was going on. And one that was fascinating was one of them said that she was supposed to dedicate an amount of time to research every day. That's what her role was as an academic, was research. And she always wondered how every time she walked past one of her colleagues' office, um, he was sitting at his desk doing research and she kind of said one day, do you mind if we just compare diaries? And they compared diaries and his was sort of six hours a day on research and then there was a meeting at the start and end that was a faculty meeting and the other. Um, hers was one hour of research and there was committees. There were, you know, it was everything you've just spoken of. It made me kind of think about that. Mm-hmm. Um Very true. Good thing for our audience to kind of just think about themselves.
1: Absolutely. Um, And I I hear this as well, the women that I work with um, one-on-one, particularly the first point around the the 24-7 and having to be seen and always on, it's absolutely a thing. I mean, I've had a couple of them scarily tell me that they're on four meetings at once, Um, you know, because of the nature of the environment. And if they're not there, they feel like, you know, they're going to become obsolete. So um, it's a real challenge.
0: So are there common myths about burnout, do you
1: think? There are a couple and I'd love to bust some. I mentioned one earlier straight up that stress and burnout aren't the same thing. So we can feel stressed but you're not burnt out. And similarly, being completely exhausted is also not burnout Um, it's only one third of that puzzle so unless you've got other contributors it's just you know it's it's certainly a warning sign um, but it's not it's not burnout Um, and then i'd also like to point out as well and it's been a little bit of a through thing but um burnout is not a people problem so it it is this organization organizational issue and and to change it we're going to have to get to the systemic solutions at that org level um and too often you know i see quite often the attitude of you know senior leaders um, fix my people my people are sort of broken and burning out um and that's not going to work um and then the other the last one i would say was on that is that the tick box tick box wellness initiatives are really not going to solve burnout so you know, no matter how well your employees can self-manage and, and take care of their health, um, you can't out-go or out-meditate these unhealthy environments. So we can be healthy beings, but burnout will occur if we're then putting ourselves into these environments. Um, so there are a couple of the big ones that come up very commonly.
0: Thank you. And then, you know, if if people feel like they actually, you know, have burnout right now, how can they manage and recover from that?
1: Yes, um, it's it's quite a complex process, I would say um, from personal experience. So I'll uh, I'll split this answer into two um, and start with managing burnout. Uh, so I would say if you're starting to feel that you're on that um, downward slope to burnout, or you are there, um, pause for a moment and look upwards and outwards. Have a look at your environment and really try and identify the key contributors um, that are contributing to this um, and then also what's in your control to change because some of this is. So for example, um, how can you set boundaries around uh, your workload and your schedule? Um, How can you build recovery and renewal into that process, um, into your daily processes? Uh, and then it's looking at, you know, how can you ask for resources and the support and the assistance that you do need that's um, that might be contributing to this um, overwhelm and seeking out feedback and clarifying expectations. So that's a big one as well. Yeah. Um, and if you can in the right environment, you know, raising concerns over the unhealthy cultures that you might be experiencing and seeing because if uh, if you are, there's a likelihood that other people are and, you know, you can try and come to, um, you know, co co-develop some changes uh, within your organisation. Um, and then recovering from burnout, <laughs> again, it, it can be complex depending on um, on your particular profile. And for me, this was a couple of years. I would say this was, mm-hmm. you know, four years of really rebuilding back my health. Um, I, I had a pretty severe burnout um, and, and that will guide your intervention depending on um, your profile. But essentially it comes down to regaining control over your health um, which is typically unraveled and you know a couple of big things is obviously bringing that chronic stress down to healthier levels so just because you know you're in burnout that chronic stress is still there so we still need that Um, sleep is one of the first ones to go um, so really working on um, improving your sleep Uh, lots of rest and intentional recovery so really being um, dialed into that fueling your body with good nutrition. Um, Our immune system usually takes a hit in the States as well. So it's really important from that functional perspective. Um, Looking at lifestyle factors, so, again, things like um, caffeine and alcohol, um, nicotine in some cases can really become vices, um, which are obviously detrimental from a stress load perspective as well. Um, Getting into some more healthy exercise and movement. Now, this might be totally different. I'm a distance runner. Um, I was going back and doing yoga because I didn't have the physical energy or the capacity to run. Um, So whatever that looks like for, for, for you, start there. Um, and if necessary the psychological support so this can really take a strong mental emotional and physical toll on people so quite often I hear that um, a lot of people go into you know seeing a psychologist and getting some therapy to to build back um, you know mentally as well and it's really about you know meeting yourself where you're at and giving yourself what you need in that moment um, to rebuild so this is really where I'm passionate about.
0: (laughs) Um, Thank you so much I mean if I was to say to you and there's been so much information sort of packed in there but if (laughs) I was to say what are the top three things that you want everyone to know to prevent burnout what would they be Kelly? Mm. I'm going to start
1: firstly with um, with the self-management and taking control over what's in your control. Um, So I'd recommend uh, from those health perspectives, managing your stress and really doubling down on your health. Um, Secondly, identifying those main stressors early, as early as possible, and try and collaboratively seek solutions. So rather than wait till the end point, um, and when they pile up, really try and get on top of those early. So whether that's for yourself or whether you notice that your team is burning out around you. and the third one is really about agency. So how can you exert your personal agency over your well-being um, as it relates to your job in that work environment more broadly, um, as well as your personal life? Because it's, it's all one, as we now know. Um, and so setting and keeping those boundaries to protect yourself and your health, um, they would be my top three.
0: Fantastic. Thank you so much for adding your voice to our conversation um, and sharing your own experience and expertise in the area. I hope everyone listening has had the chance to hear the message loud and clear, five by five. Have a wonderful day. I hope you enjoyed this five by five podcast. If you love leadership stories, then why don't you dive into some of our incredible conversations with wonderful leaders who talk to me about their experience with imposter syndrome, whether leaders are born or made. And I asked all of them, what does brave feminine leadership mean? And does it need to change? If you're here because you're keen to keep learning, then why don't you join our free five day leadership challenge? You can find that by going to our website, www.BraveFeminineLeadership forward slash five day challenge. That's number five. So www.BraveFeminineLeadership forward slash five day challenge. Or keep an eye out for us on Instagram. You can find us at Brave Feminine Leadership or connect with us and grow your network on LinkedIn by finding Brave Feminine Leadership. Can't wait to see you there. Thanks for listening. Have a wonderful day.